Good morning, and welcome to our time of worship. We are called into the presence of our God with words from the Gospel of John, chapter 6. Jesus said, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of heaven. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. This is our Savior, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And we gather to worship knowing that he is here with us. He loves us and he greets us this morning. Grace to you and peace. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ in the communion of the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, Amen. This is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. May we pray. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning as those who know that we have sinned to our own grievous fault in our thoughts and in our words, in those things which we have done, and also, Lord, in what we have failed to say and do. Father, we come to you admitting that we are guilty, that we have not walked always in the light, that we have not walked always in your ways, confessing our need for your grace and forgiveness in Christ Jesus our Lord. Even so, Lord, we pray that as we worship before you today, you would receive our worship, you would receive our confession, you would cleanse us from all unrighteousness and work in us all that is pleasing to you through Jesus Christ to whom be the glory forever and ever. We pray, Father, that you would reassure us of your presence with us, that you would give us confidence in the fact that we belong to you, body and soul, in life and in death, 
and that our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, has set us free from the tyranny of the devil. Help us to walk in freedom. Help us to walk in love. Help us to walk in the power of your grace and spirit as we come to you this morning in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Hear the good news. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him truly, the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk as he himself walked. So as you walk in the grace and mercy of Christ, know that you are forgiven and be at peace. Amen. As we continue to worship the Lord our God this morning, let's look to him in prayer. Our Father in heaven, you are holy, and you call us to be holy. Lord, to that end, we pray that you would graciously equip and enable us in the power of your Holy Spirit. May we be the people that you are calling us to be in Christ. We pray that our words and our lives may so reflect Christ in us, the hope of glory, that the world may see all that we do. And Father, they would not give any praise to us, but all glory, honor, and praise to you and to your holy name. We confess, Lord, that we have not always lived this way. We have not always lived according to your word. We have grieved your spirit within us, even quenching him, instead of fanning your gifts into flame. In your mercy, forgive us, Lord. Heal us as we confess our sin, forgive our sin, and cleanse us from our unrighteousness. Give us a sense of your presence and power to go with us from day to day that we may have the grace that we need to turn from self and to serve you alone. Father, even in a world which some seek to control but others view with despair, we pray your kingdom come. There are many things in this world, Father, that we do not understand because we don't see the complete picture, rather just a poor reflection of the world that you made to declare your glory. Still, by faith, we know that a day is coming when we will see our Savior as he is, when all that is broken now will be made whole, when all that is wrong will be made right, when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior, is Lord. We long for that day, even though if we are honest, we confess that it frightens us a bit. And in the meantime, Father, we pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Where there is violence and hatred here, bring your peace. Where people are hurting and broken, let your grace rule. Where there is despair, grant us the joy of your salvation. And as we come to you gratefully with our prayers, and petitions. May you keep our hearts and minds in perfect peace in Christ Jesus. Father, as you have commanded, we pray for our leaders. We pray for our Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau. We pray for his cabinet. We pray for the government of Canada as they seek to lead our country through very difficult times. Give each one wisdom. 
guide them, lead them, work in them and through them in such a way that we may lead quiet and peaceable lives in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in your sight. We pray the same for Jason Kenney and the government of Alberta and for Mayor Snodgrass and the town council. We pray also for those who serve this community as first responders and healthcare workers, cause them to find strength and to look to you for safety during this time. We pray for those who police us. In a time when there is so much strife between people and police, may there be mutual respect as we seek to obey the authorities that you have put over us and as they encourage us to do so. We pray, Father, for all those who are engaged here in High River in business. We pray that you would provide for our needs according to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Grant us food, clothing, shelter, meaningful work, and fulfilling relationships to the extent that such things will give us cause to glorify you and be thankful. We pray as well that you would provide all that is needed, Father, that we may have our daily bread, give rest and strength as required, provide in an abundance, and give us generous hearts as well to share what we have with others, for such sacrifices are pleasing to you. Where there is sickness, Lord, in our community and in our congregation, we look to you for health, gratefully using while not putting our trust in the things of this world. We acknowledge, Father, that science and medicine are good gifts from your hand, and we give you thanks, but we understand that not even your gifts can work independently of your blessing. So we look to you, great physician, understanding fully that in your mercy you guide us by the hand and provide for us through all our days in this world. We pray, Father, especially for Lorinda and for Marie during these days and for all those who are struggling with sickness and weakness and ill health. Father, give us grace to believe that you guide us by the hand and that one day you will receive us all to glory. Give us peace as we persevere from day to day. Give us patience to run this race that you have set before us, looking always to Jesus, the author, and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured so much more of trial and hardship than we will ever know, and then sat down at your right hand in glory. May we fix our eyes on him, seeing him as the finish line, and as we run, we pray that you would so guide our lives that every step may bring glory and praise to you. Lead us, Father, in paths of righteousness for your name's sake, Graciously help us to put on the whole armor that you have given us in Christ. Surround us with your truth. Clothe us from head to toe in the righteousness of Christ. Give us the desire and strength to take up the shield of faith and with it to extinguish the fiery attacks of the evil one. For our battle, we know, is not with flesh and blood, but with spiritual forces of wickedness. Help us to stand firm, Lord, and having done all, to stand. And in all that we do in word and deed, we pray that you would be glorified, Lord, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. You alone are worthy of all our praise, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Receive our worship now and always as we pray in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is from Revelation chapter 1. I will be reading verses 1 through 8 from the English Standard Version. The Apostle John wrote, 
the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches who are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom and priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So let's begin here this morning. Way back in November of 2018, we started a series on the gospel according to Luke with the overall title of this same Jesus. And in that series, which we ran concurrently with Covenant CRC in Calgary, we were looking at Jesus specifically in the state of humiliation, as the old Reformed theologians were prone to say. But that title... This same Jesus was a quote taken from the book of Acts, which was part two of that extended series. So we saw Jesus during the incarnation. We walked with him from Bethlehem in the early chapters to his ascension in Luke chapter 24. But the story didn't end there. Because as he ascended, Acts chapter 1, verses 10 and 11 tell us that there were two angels who stood beside his disciples and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. Now, of course, that was fulfilled in the coming of the Holy Spirit who empowered the church. Jesus had said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And he fulfilled that through the comforter, the Holy Spirit, the advocate who came to dwell in them and to be with them and to seal them for the day of redemption. So Jesus was here incarnate in a human body during the years that he sojourned with his disciples here on earth. But then he became incarnate in his own body, the church. He became incarnate in his people so that through them he could carry on with the ministry that the Father had given to him. In that sense, our study of Acts was really a study of the Gospel of Luke part two. It was just a continuation of the series. In Luke, we were looking at Jesus who emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. Then in Acts, we see this same Jesus now ascended to the right hand of God the Father, but taking on human flesh through the church. 
But the angel said, as we read just a moment ago, this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go. So the story didn't end in Acts 28 either. Jesus, the baby who was born at Bethlehem of Judea, is the Messiah who gave himself as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He then ascended to the Father, and he filled the Holy Church through the power of the Holy Spirit. But while Acts shows us the work of Christ through his church on earth, Revelation pulls back the curtain and gives us a glimpse of Christ now ruling at the right hand of God. He rules there, in fact, until all things are subdued beneath his feet. And this is the good news. This is the gospel of the kingdom. As we have said so many times before, we do not worship a baby in a manger. That is not the Christ of Christianity, nor do we worship a martyr who remains on a cross. Truly, he is this same Jesus, but now he lives in a state of exaltation, as we will eventually discover, if the Lord is willing, in Revelation chapter 11. The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And that is, in fact, the point of this book of Revelation. The very first word in the Greek manuscript, apokalypsis, or apocalypse, in its more familiar form, speaks to this very thing. See, we've come to think of the apocalypse as the end of the world, hence we hear terms today like the zombie apocalypse or the climate apocalypse or occasionally even the COVID apocalypse. Just fill in the blank with the disaster du jour. But the word apocalypse doesn't mean the end of the world. The Greek word kalupto means to hide, conceal, or cover. And when you add the prefix apo, to it, it it means to unconceal or to uncover or to unveil. And this, this book, this is the unveiling. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ, that same Jesus that we knew in a state of humiliation in the Gospels is now being unveiled. He is being revealed to us in glory, majesty, and power. And I want to be clear. Revelation is not a prophecy about some time in a murky future when Jesus will be revealed in glory, majesty, and power. Rather, it is in fact the revelation of Jesus Christ as he now is, exalted to the right hand of the Father and ruling in power and glory. It's important that we get this because a common reaction to this book is, well, fear. To put it bluntly, I, I hear people say things like, I don't even want to read, never mind study, the book of Revelation. It's, it's confusing. It's, it's nightmarish at times. I don't like to be scared with thoughts about the end of the world. But that's just it, see? It's not a revelation or the revelation of the end of the world. It's not really even about the end of the world, which, Lord willing, will become clearer as we go along. Rather, it is the unveiling. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's a song that we sing occasionally, which is really a prayer. Show us Christ. Show us Christ. 
O God, reveal your glory through the preaching of the word until every heart confesses Christ is Lord. Well, here is God's answer to that prayer. Here is God revealing his glory, unveiling his son before our very eyes, showing us Christ not as he was 2,000 years ago, but as he is right now, risen, ascended, and ruling over all things. More on that next week, if God is willing, but understand, this is not a revelation of all these really scary things that are going to happen at the end of the world. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ if we come to this book looking for anything else, we are, in some sense, missing the point. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. More still, it is the revelation from Jesus Christ. If you are using the 2011 revision of the New International Version, it even reads that way. And it does so because the Greek grammar here in Revelation chapter 1 is ambiguous and probably intentionally ambiguous. John wants us to understand that this is the revelation of Jesus Christ, but he also wants us to understand that we are receiving it from Jesus Christ. There is, in fact, a chain here, and it will be very important later, so we need to understand it now. Verses 1 and two speak to this. This book is the revelation of Jesus Christ. But notice that it is the revelation which God gave him, Jesus, that is, to show his servants the things that must soon take place. More still, here's how it was given. He, Jesus, made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. So God gave this revelation of Jesus to Jesus so that he could pass it along to his servants by sending his angel to his servant John. God, Jesus, angel, John, the church. That's the chain. That's how this revelation reached us. And I don't want to make too much of this next bit because the whole of Scripture comes with the full weight of divine authority. Paul told us all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. By the way, and this is just free information, that all scripture that Paul talks about, all scripture by very definition would include this often neglected book of Revelation. So this too, the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ, is profitable for all of those things that Paul speaks of. But unlike the letters of Paul, which often begin with a declaration of the author's apostolic status, the revelation begins with the declaration that this message comes straight from God. As I said, I don't want to make too much of it because all scripture comes from God. I, I believe that. All scripture is breathed out by God. But this is the revelation that God gave to Jesus, who then sent an angel to pass the word to John, who wrote down the things that were revealed to him and gave them to the church. 
And John summarizes that whole profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness bit. He just summarizes it by saying, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Now that, that final phrase, the time is near, taken together with verse 1, where we read that God gave this revelation to Jesus to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Both of those statements are very significant and they require some further explanation and Lord willing, we'll talk about that on another occasion. But as we draw to a conclusion for this morning, I just want to focus on the more important word in verse 3, blessed. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near. The word translated blessed here is the same word that Jesus used in Matthew chapter 5 when he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, and so on. But when I have preached or led Bible studies on the Beatitudes as they are known, I have never yet had anyone come to me and say, please just don't. Even though those Beatitudes take us outside our comfort zone, who, after all, wants to be poor in spirit or to mourn, even if those things come with a blessing, still no one says, I don't want that blessing. But here in Revelation, I've heard many say effectively that the book pronounces a blessing on those who read, hear, and keep the words that are contained therein. But I've heard people say, Revelation's not for me. I'm just not interested. Basically, I don't want that blessing. I've heard people say things like, well, I'm a pan-millennialist. I believe that it will all pan out in the end. And of course, it will. But when God comes to us in Christ and says to us, here is a blessing. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near. When God comes to us and he offers to us a blessing, why would we turn away? How dare we turn away? Back in the summer, I spent a whole Sunday on the subject of blessing and being blessed. And without recapping that whole sermon, suffice it to say, we need to read Revelation 1 verse 3 with two things at the forefront of our minds. First, God always keeps his promises. He always has and he always will. And in that light, when Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, blesses you as he promises to bless you here, you are blessed. We must come to this book then with humility. This is holy ground. This is the unveiling of Jesus in glory, majesty, and power. 
Small wonder then that when John saw him in verse 17, even though they had been basically best friends during the time of Jesus' humiliation, when John meets him in glory, he says, I fell at his feet as though dead. Kind of like the prophet Isaiah who cried out, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. We might well tremble at the thought, but in both cases, as you might remember, Isaiah and John, in both cases, God intervened, and he picked his servants up, and he set them on their feet, and he sent them out to proclaim his glory. And to us as well, he simply gives this promise by the word, the living word of God himself. And by the grace of God, may we pursue it unwaveringly as we study this book. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Now you don't have to read it aloud. I don't want to create any superstition that there's some difference to reading it aloud. The Greek word can mean that. It doesn't have to mean that. Blessed, though, is the one who reads, aloud or not, the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it. May we pray. Father, give us grace this morning to hear what your Spirit is saying to the church. And in hearing, Father, may we believe and in believing May we put into practice all that you call us to do in Christ Jesus, our Lord, that we may follow him faithfully, that we may serve him wholly, and, Father, that we may live our lives completely for your honor, glory, and praise in Christ Jesus, our Lord, even as we pray in his holy name. Amen. Go in peace, then, to love and serve the Lord our God. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings on earth, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And all God's people said, Amen.